Open the word with me to um, Romans chapter 6. Last week we looked at the first 14 verses. We continue in that chapter this morning. Romans 6 beginning at verse 15. Hear God's word. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, that you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's an exciting passage of Scripture, and yet um, it might seem a little strange to you or awkward to you. He's, he's, he's using terminology that I don't ever hear anybody use. Uh, down there in verse 18, a slave of righteousness. What is that? I mean, we don't talk that way. Again, uh, in, in verse 19, slaves to righteousness. Verse 22, enslaved to God. It seems strange to us. It reminded me of the um, uh, rocket mortgage um, commercial with Ricky Fowler. How many of you have seen that? You're not watching enough golf, folks, if you haven't seen that. Uh, but anyway, if you haven't seen it, I'll kind of do my best to go back through it. Uh, it's, this, this announcer's talking to Ricky Fowler, and he says, Ricky, you make everything so simple. I wish you were my mortgage broker, because I wish it was simple. He's always saying we got to escrow, escrow this, or VOE this, or... Uh, PMI this what does PMI even mean Rick and then the narrator comes in and says golf can be complex but things in life should be simple like your mortgage and I was thinking about that as I was thinking about this it's like I think the Christian life should be simple and there are times when it seems like we really complicate it you know the preacher preaches about salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And then he talks about commandments, and then there are sacraments, and then there's all this church stuff. And what does a slave of righteousness even mean? It should be simple. And yet, there are times when we make it really complicated. We know that our lives should be radically different because of Christ. We know, just like we sang, we should be saved 
to sin no more. Should be that simple. And that's what this passage is about. Being saved to sin no more. Last week we looked at the first 14 verses and we talked about how Christ's death gave us power or freedom over the rule of sin. Power over sin. And we have that power because we are united to Christ. Sin doesn't rule us anymore. Now we get to verse 15 and it says, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law? We, you know, we were, we're under grace. We were saved while we were sinning. Saved by grace. So if we were saved by grace, can we just keep on sinning? And the, the same answer he gave us back in verse 1. No. That would be, that would be no difference. You are living your life in sin, and you were saved, and you want to continue living your life in sin? That, that, would, that wouldn't make sense. That's not even simple logic. And it should be easier. We can be free. Now, what's Paul doing here when he brings up this whole idea of slaves of righteousness? I think what he's doing, he's taking something that's very simple to the Romans, this analogy of slaves. And he's using it to teach something. I like starting with something I'm familiar with and then moving to the more complex. That's what Paul's doing. Slavery was something they were familiar with. The Romans in this time, history, one out of every five people, residents in Rome, was a slave. One out of five. Everybody knew a slave. Many of them had been slaves indentured servants and been freed from that they all had slaves new slaves were a slave you you can't walk down the street without seeing an example of slavery so paul uses something very common to them now for us all of us in this room we were born after slavery that kind of slavery was abolished in america so we don't see it seems a little strange to us what is a slave of righteousness even mean it means you know you're in bondage to it but you've been free from the bondage of sin and it's been exchanged with a bondage or a slavery to uh, righteousness now it's not hard to comprehend we're all slaves in this room perhaps in some regard we don't have the same kind of slavery Rome had but you know people that are slaves right you know somebody who's a slave to their work we call them workaholics you know some of those? We know people who are slave to their health, their physical fitness. They go to the gym every single day. They're obsessed. They're enslaved to a certain physical fitness. We know people who are slaves to their appearance, to the approval that they're seeking to get from others. And it's, it's, it's weighing them down in that bondage that what are people going to think when they see them? When they see their finances, when they see their life, their house, their cars, their, their clothes. We, we know people who are slaves to sex, slaves to drugs, slaves to entertainment, slaves to travel, slaves to doing good, slaves to church. We know slaves, so it's not that complicated. It's a different kind of slavery that he's talking about here, but... Begin to understand what he's trying to say. When we're saved by Christ, we don't continue in sin. 
we become slaves to righteousness. Read with me again, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? No. How can you be saved from sin and continue to live in sin? If you continue to live in sin, you weren't really saved from sin. That just, that can't happen. And so he says, verse 16, he gives us a a principle here. Let me uh, unpack it for you. Verse 16, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you're slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? What he's doing there is creating basically a principle. He says, you just, you know this principle. And this principle is that there are two categories in life. You're either a slave to sin or really you're a slave to righteousness. And these categories are mutually exclusive. You can't be one and the other at the same time. If you're saved from sin, you can't continue sinning. You have to be obeying. If you're not saved from sin, well then of course you can continue in sin. But... You have to be one or the other. You can't be both, and you can't be neither. You are one or the other. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. So that's, that's mankind. That's life. That's what he wants us to know. Everyone is a slave. We're either in the category. Then what he does, verses 17 to the end, is he contrasts both of those categories. The category of a slave to sin and a slave to righteousness. And he's playing them both back and forth all the way through. I want to just break it up and look at first briefly what it means to be a slave to sin so that we we comprehend that a little more. And then we'll look at what it means to be a slave to righteousness. What does it mean to be a slave to sin? Verse 17 says, Thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin... You became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. So you're a slave to sin. You're not following the teaching of Scripture is what he's talking about. Verse 19, it says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you present your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness. So now present yourself as slaves to righteousness. So you see a little bit more of this slavery to sin. It's it's presenting yourself to impurities. It's presenting yourself to something contrary to God's law. So you do it. And as you do these things contrary to God's law, that you're impure, they're not holy. He says it makes you deteriorate. It results in further lawlessness. Once you go down this path of sinning, he says, you just start sinning more and more and more. It results in more sin, this path of sin. And then he concludes it, verse 21, or he gets further down the road with it. Verse 21, therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. So this slavery to sin not only is uh, a lifestyle of lawlessness... Contrary to God's law, it's contrary to what's pure and holy and right. It not only encourages you to do more and more, once you start doing it, you want to do more and more. But he says it, it makes you do things that you become ashamed of, and the outcome, what do you get out of all of this? Why do you do this? He says the outcome is death. That's the results of this slavery to sin. Um, 
is death. Think about some of the slavery that we, you know, I've already mentioned that we're part of. Where's that going to get you when you're enslaved to, to food, when you're enslaved to finance, when you're enslaved to sex, when you're addicted to drugs? Uh, where is that leading you? So this is leading you ultimately to death. It's leading you to stuff you're ashamed of. It's leading you further from Christ. So why would Christ save you to bring you close to Christ and you take the category, this path, that takes you away from Christ? So that's where you would be if you said, well, yeah, I, I sinned, but it's okay, I'm under grace. I guess a, a great way to illustrate this is um, this is so different from bachelorette Christianity. You know what I'm talking about there? We've got these shows on television now. They don't all have bachelor or bachelorette in the name. But you know the kind of show I'm talking about. These shows where they recruit a handsome man and a handsome gal and a bunch of them. And they recruit them. And the whole purpose of recruiting them for these shows is to tempt them to have sex with one another. And if they do have sex with one another behind the scenes, then they talk about the drama of all of that on the show. And recently, one of the bachelorettes was talking about the drama. And there was apparently a, a Christian man. And she said, well, I'm a Christian. He's, and she says, and... You shouldn't judge me if I have sex with four or five other contestants on this show. God doesn't judge me. I'm under grace. I'm a Christian. I'm under grace. And don't judge me. And that created all the drama that people wanted on the show. But it's so far from Romans 6. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not what... Paul's talking about. Paul says, can you continue in sin if you're saved from sin? He says, may it never be. That's absolutely contrary to what God has done. He's, he's created two categories. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You can't be both. You can't. You either follow sin to destruction. It deteriorates. It deteriorates and you die or you follow Christ to righteousness, and you grow, and you grow in righteousness and sanctified until you are conformed fully to the image of Christ. So see Romans 6 is so contrary to what we are hearing in our society. So what is this, this slavery to Christ that he's talking about? It's, it's a contrast. I love how he begins it. Um, verse 17, thanks be to God. Don't, don't forget that. He says, the reason we are no longer in the category of sin is because God did something. God came after us while we were still dead in our trespasses and sins. And he saved us. And he saved us not only to give us power over sin, the rule of sin, but he saved us to sin no more. He saved us to, to, to see a transformation of practice, of lifestyle. So that we're not continuing in sin. Um, how do we obey? Again, verse 17. Um, notice, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became. So you, new category. You became obedient. How? From the heart. Don't miss the heart transformation. 
He didn't say you were slaves to sin and then somebody gave you a list of rules and you decided one day you're going to start following those rules. Even the very law of God. He didn't say that's what happened. He said, thanks be to God that you were transformed. Your heart became different. You started obeying from the heart. Your desires are different. Your affections are different. God has given you a new spirit and a new heart where now you want to obey. Now you love obeying. And the more you obey and the more you follow God's law, the more you say, hey, this is good. And just as sin, it's a downward spiral, you keep deteriorating. In Christ, as you practice righteousness, as you present yourself to God as one alive from the dead, I now have the freedom and the power to please you and know you and love you. And the more you do that, the more you grow in it, the more fun it becomes, the more exciting it becomes, the more you start seeing, I'm a slave to righteousness. I love this stuff. And you start practicing it more and more and more. And that's, what, that's where Paul is going with this. Um, verse 20 says, You were slaves of sin, but now you're free in regard to righteousness. So cool. Um, uh, and he goes on, that, uh, verse 21, uh, Therefore, what benefit were you deriving when you were sin? Yeah, it, it just made you ashamed. Now I'm not ashamed. I, I have this benefit. Now when I, when I practice righteousness, I don't care if anybody's looking over my shoulder. I don't care what they see because it's righteous. It's pleasing to God. That changes everything, and, and you begin to grow in that. You have, have, have a practice of that. Um, he says, uh, verse 18, what does it result? And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Uh, let me keep reading. Verse 19, I'm, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. But just as you present your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, result, resulting in further lawlessness, so now you present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. That's what I mean. It's that growing more and more and more sanctified. Verse 22, now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit. Resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Wow, what a benefit to just grow in righteousness more and more. What is sanctification? Sanctification is saying no to sin more and more and more. Yes to Christ more and more and more. Yes to righteousness more and more and more. It's growing more holy. It's growing more pure away from impurity. It's growing more lawful away from lawlessness. It's growing to be more like Christ and we keep growing until we're ultimately fully conformed to the image of Christ. That's the outcome is this holiness. You know, the problem people have in life is that we're going to die and one day face a holy God. The problem is he's holy, we're not. But as we grow in Christ, we're going to get to that point where we stand before Him as holy. That's the benefit. That's the blessing of growing more and more and more and more like Christ. It's just to, to reach that point and stand before Him without spot and without blemish. Righteous. Righteousness becomes a habit. Are you a slave to righteousness? See, a the slavery we understand is just this habit. You're, you're, you're bound to it. And I've discovered the more I grow in Christ, the more I'm bound to it. I wake up, I want to do it. It's from the heart. I want to come to church. I want to read my Bible. I want to praise His name. I want to give. I want to love you. I want to love Him. This is just 
I'm bound to it now. I didn't used to be this way. But as you lose that slavery to sin, you become a slave to righteousness. And you want to. If you don't want to, if it's not from your heart, you really need to reevaluate your union to Christ. You can't just say, well, I'm free from the penalty of sin, but I still like to sin. And that's what I'm doing every day. I'm just sinning. Well, then you're not united to Christ. That's his point. He says you can't be in both categories. Now, you're not perfect yet. I'm not perfect yet. But it's that path of righteousness. That's what we're enslaved to. That's what we cling to. That's what we want to do. That's what we can't help but to do. Because we're no longer slaves to sin. Uh, Righteousness becomes that habit. And um, by the way, look over at Romans 10. I think it's verse 11. I love this verse. The scripture says, Romans 10, 11, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. You know, everyone who believes in Christ receives his spirit, receives a new heart, receives this desire, this passion for righteousness. You become enslaved to righteousness. You're not keeping the law to earn anything. You do it because you love it. You want to. And the more you do it, the more benefit you get from it. And you know, Christ has a 100% approval rating. No one comes to Christ when it's all said and done and said, I didn't really like that. That wasn't good for me. He says, no, as a matter of fact, everyone who has been saved to sin no more and practices righteousness, they get to the place that no one, not, not a single one, is ever disappointed. The benefit compared to the benefit of sinning is, is so huge. No one ever has been disappointed. It's, it's just exciting to see this righteousness. Now, what are some of the benefits? I thought, you know, um, you remember Galatians 6, 6. Um, let me just refresh my own memory there. It's talking about sharing uh, good stuff with people who given you good stuff. Let me, uh, especially teachers. Galatians 6, verse 6 says... The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. It's like, share this stuff. If, if somebody's teaching you the word and it's encouraging you and it's changing you, share it back. Get this, get this sharing going. It's encouraging. It's, it's benefits. And I, I, I stop to think, Lord, how can we share some of these benefits with the next generation? Because we're living in this world of bachelorette Christianity where people think, well, I, I can be a Christian and I can sin and I'm just under grace and it doesn't matter. And that's not true. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. You can't be both. So when you're living in this world and you're tempted, the world just keeps tempting you to sin, sin, sin. And they keep telling you that sin's fun. And it's pleasurable, and you're going to enjoy it. Just keep doing it. What are we telling the next generation? No, 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 no. Be righteous, be righteous, be righteous, be righteous. Not because it's going to earn you anything, but because that's who you are. And what are some of the benefits? So I just wrote down just the first 11 that came to my mind. I threw them, threw them out there for you. But it's a great, a great opportunity for you to think about it and just expand it. What are some of the benefits of being slaves to righteousness? 
First one I wrote down is, well, according to the text, we now avoid the things for which we are ashamed. We don't just sit around, well, if I do that, somebody catches me, I'm going to be ashamed. When, when you do righteousness and someone catches you, they're glad. And you're glad. And it doesn't make you ashamed anymore. You start losing that, that, that whole enslavery to people's approval. Um, when you're, you've already got the approval of Christ and you're already a slave to Him. Verse uh, number two, we avoid wasting time. You know, when, you, when you're doing what God wants you to do, people say, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Well, you're doing what God wants you to do. You're waiting on Him. You're being patient. You're, prayer, you're in prayer. You're reading your Bibles and you're, you're worshiping Him. You're going to church. Uh, what else do you need to do? You never lose a minute in the palm of God's hands. You never lose. You just keep growing to love Him more and more and more. You don't waste time doing what God has called us to do. You might not be getting where the world wants you to get, but you're reaping great benefit. Number three, um, we bring delight and not burden to our spiritual leaders. And as you grow in righteousness, by spiritual leaders, I mean you've got parents, you've got bosses, You've got spouses, you've got elders and deacons and preachers, and you've got leaders. And when you constantly do sin, it burdens them. How do we manage this? But when you're constantly enslaved to righteousness, it gives them joy and encouragement. And uh, everything, every part of that environment just becomes happier. Uh, four, we cultivate an experience and experience every fruit of the Spirit. You know, as you practice in righteousness, what are you doing? You're cultivating love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and self-control. These things, Galatians talks about, says, and these things, there's no law against these things. These are the law. This is, this is exciting. You're just growing in the good stuff. Instead of sin. Uh, five, we become a delight of the saints of God as those who edify the church, even a blessing to our family and friends. When you do what's right, who persecutes you for that? The world, maybe, but not the church. You're a delight to everyone you're around in God's family. Six, we lay up treasures in heaven. Yeah, lasting rewards. Uh, those come. Seven, we become qualified and a good reputation for all manner of spiritual endeavors. Um, the more we do what's right. Eight, we trade all the temporary pleasures for those that last. Yeah, there's pleasures of sin, but they don't last. Pleasures of righteousness last and last and last, and they go on, and no one ever gets disappointed. Uh, number uh, nine, we shine the light of ca the character and glory of Jesus for the world to see. People look at us and say, you're different. Yeah, I'm a slave to righteousness. I wake up presenting myself alive from the dead and alive to God every day. That's so exciting to be able to live in that realm. Um, we gain God's listening ear. There's times God says, you know, until you're ready to deal with sin, turn from sin and turn to me. He says, he says my hand's not so short that I, I can't reach you and my ear's not so dull that I can't hear you. But I'm not listening until you deal with the sin and turn to righteousness. So 
the more you, you turn and get enslaved to righteousness, the more you have God's listening ear. And, and you get this clear, wonderful identity that what, what is your goal? What is your passion? It's the passion and goal of this church. It's wholehearted love for God and man. Wholehearted love for God. From the heart we want to do these things. This slavery to righteousness. Now, follow with me through this text as you've been seeing it unfold. Down to verse 23 because this, this verse really troubled me when I finally understood the text. I, I didn't know what to do with it. Verse, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you've been seeing the contrast back and forth between being a slave to sin and a slave to righteousness. And you get to the concluding verse. He says, so in, on one side, the slave to sin, the consequences or the ultimate is death. And then on the, the side of righteousness, the ultimate is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's interesting too, don't miss the, the, the phrase free gift of God. When he gets to verse 23, he's not maintaining an equal contrast. In other words, if you are sinning, you are earning benefits. The benefit of sin is more sin. More of the pleasures of sin and more deterioration. More death. It doesn't then say, now if you start being righteous, you will earn benefit. It doesn't say that. It says the free gift of God. So this passion for righteousness has come to us as a free gift. And we practice this righteousness because God has given us this new heart, this new spirit, this new passion for righteousness. And as we do that, we get life, eternal life in Christ. So one, you earn death. One, you receive eternal life as God's free gift. Now, if you can... Get this death and this life, as he's talking to a church, it's like you can get this death and you can get this life while you're still listening. And that's what I was troubled with. Because I've always heard it preached that it's eternal death or it's eternal life. And it mentions the word eternal here. So that's ultimately where we're headed to either eternal destruction or eternal living. But there seems to be all the way through the passage benefits to both sides right now. So if, if you practice sinning, you're enslaved to it, what is some death that you're experiencing that will escalate to eternal death? Or it doesn't really escalate. That seems like that's making it better. It's going down. But what is some death? And I, as I got to thinking about that, you know, we've all sinned. We were all born in sin. We've practiced sin. We were saved from sin. And you know when you're living in sin, there's a certain death to it. The pleasures of sin don't seem to last. And if you stay in that category of sin, what kind of death are you experiencing and earning for yourself? I think you start to see a death of value. You start to see a death of significance. You start to see a death of direction as you move further from God. And you have less and less 
significance. Because what you are earning from yourself is not only you're reaping. Remember back Romans 1. says, I gave them over to sin. If they want to sin, I'll give them over to sin. And that sin will lead to a destruction of their bodies. It's leading to a destruction of their souls. They inherit diseases and afflictions. So what's dying there? Not only is your body dying, but you're losing the hope of recovery and the hope of healing. That's real death. That's the benefit of sinning. You go to the other side, the benefit of righteousness and living righteously as God moves us in our hearts to do, and we start getting this hope of recovery. And this hope of healing. And this hope of a life that's wonderful. That Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. And life more abundantly. Even now. There's a sense in which it's a free gift I possess right now. And I get benefits. The more and more righteous. My body's still deteriorating. But the hope of a new flesh. New body, recovery, complete healing. See, I have all of that. And I have the hope of God's smile and the hope of its ear to hear me in my pains and to, to, to help me through this life. Whereas in the other category, I don't have any of that. I just die and die and die. There's more and more life in Christ. We need to know those benefits Understand these benefits. Share these benefits. Otherwise, we got people asking stupid questions like, well, I'm a Christian, but I can still sin, right? No. Never. Do we feel some of the no and the never? I know we want to say, yeah, you can still sin. You have the freedom to sin, as a Christian, but you've got the freedom to be righteous as a Christian. That's power over sin. Non-Christian doesn't have that. And so it should make a difference. That's simple. Shouldn't be complicated. We want to try to make it complicated. Um, so I threw down a couple questions there just to, to think about considerations for action. Two questions. Is it possible to be free of sin and still live as if we were enslaved? Answer, yes. It's possible that you're saved. And yet you're still living in sin. That's possible. But it's not likely you will continue in that sin. Because you have a new heart. You don't want to do it anymore. You're ashamed of it. You call it what it is. It's impurity. It's lawlessness. It starts to bother you. And you begin to grow in this passion. God, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this sin. And I want to be free from it. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to be free. And sets you on a course of righteousness. And you become one who's changed. And people say, you're different. Yes. Free. I was addicted so much, enslaved to so much, I'm free. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to try to wrestle with both categories. I know now what category I'm in. 
And I know if I stay in my lane, what blessings, what joy there is in being a slave of righteousness. I have none of that as a slave to sin. So yeah, it can happen, but that's what's called sanctification. Sanctification is a process. You grow more and more and more and more and more and more like Christ day to day as you present yourselves to God as members whose instruments are righteous. So I'm alive from the dead. You freed me. So if I'm alive, I'm not dead in sin anymore, why would I choose sin? There's no benefit, no blessing, no reward, no help. I'm going to choose righteousness. And we start making that choice more and more every day. Then we say, wow, there's so many benefits. I feel better. I got lots of hope. I got lots of recovery. I've got healing. I've got praise. I've got assurances. I've got God's ear. I got the church. I got passions. I'm alive. And you move further towards Christ and you find you're more and more alive as you become more and more conformed to his image. All right, second question. Is it possible to be enslaved to sin and yet still think we're free? So we looked at the first question. Is it possible to be a Christian and still be sinning? Yes. Well, is it possible to be a non-Christian? You're enslaved to sin. And yet you think you're a Christian. Yeah. Answer to that is yes, too. It's possible. There are people out there. The Scripture talks about them. That there are people that will make it all the way to seeing God face to face on Judgment Day. And they'll say, but God, we did this. We're, we're, we're Christians. And God says, no, you're not. So it's possible to be a non-Christian and think you are a Christian. But you see, the categories haven't changed. It's possible for us to know the difference. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. This, this person is Bachelorette Christianity 101. I'm a Christian, but I'm still sinning anytime I want. Well, then you're not a Christian. You can call yourself that if you want. But it's clear what category you're in. You're a slave to sin. You're not a slave to righteousness. You're either one or the other, and you can't be not one or the other. That's Paul's conclusion. The wages of sin, where you're headed, is death. The free gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul works it all out. It's really pretty simple, isn't it? You know your own heart. I don't have to examine it for you. Probably know the person beside you. How would you categorize yourself? How would you categorize them? Slave to sin? Slave to righteousness. We're one or the other. And we're moving. We're living, breathing people that are either moving towards more sin and all the benefits or moving towards more righteousness and all the benefits. Thanks be to God. We're saved to sin no more. Let your life, my life, this church be more and more an example of what it means to be the light of the world. The righteousness of Christ lived out before others. It's such a wonderful light. It's such a beautiful benefit and blessing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you that you don't mince words. Thank you that you don't make it complicated. That being a slave to righteousness is just what it says. Father, help us to have the passion for you and your word and your ways that people at times think we've lost their minds. That we are just so overwhelmed with you. But Lord, we are. We have been overwhelmed. You've so radically changed us. Taken away the heart of stone. And given us a heart of flesh. That beats with passion for you. Thank you, Lord. Being, ha- having a new master. Having you as my master, O oh Lord. What a delight. What a joy. Lord, help us to understand, Master, what it means that you're truly Lord of our lives and you direct us and you lead us. Lord, encourage us with your word to be who you've called us to be, to be saved, to sin no more. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.